VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is The Ruck, the rugby podcast from The Times. It wasn't quite the weekend of quarterfinal classics we were all hoping for. Only Wales against France finished on a knife edge with the results in favour of Warren Gatland's men somehow. The rest, of course, were romps. It was England who were eventually the right side of a rout against the Aussies. No complaints here. And both New Zealand and the Springboks showed why they are the pre-tournament favourites. We say farewell to the wonderful host Japan after a brave battle from the brave Blossoms, but the World Cup continues as we march on to the semi-finals. I'm Lawrence Delalio, back in Tokyo after a memorable weekend in Wita, and joining me are the top times team of Owen Slot, Alex Lowe and Stephen Jones. Gentlemen, good to be finally here and see you. Wita, it's a strange place for quarterfinals. I was... Uh, I was sort of wondering where, I mean, it's on the southern tip of, uh, of Japan, uh, one of the southernmost points, and where would you compare it to back home, really? If, I mean, if, if Tokyo's London, and I don't want to do it a disservice, but it, it seemed like quite a strange place to put, a, a, you know, two quarterfinals. I do agree, Lawrence, but first of all, I just want to, I think our listeners should acknowledge that this is the first time we've all really been together, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we, this, is, this is kind of like a reunion podcast. It is. We're not sat, sitting in different hotel rooms no. Chatting from different sides of the world. This is like the band back together again. It's a you know special what? I didn't realise Lance was just a big bloke. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been that long. I think I've shrunk. I, fi- I finally joined the World Cup party. I have to say, it's, uh, and some party it is, and some party it was in in uh, in, in a, a Wita. Do I call it a Wita? Oita? I'm, I'm confused. So, but, we, so, uh, we, so Jonesy, we've got Lawrence in my hotel room, yeah, where, where, which is obviously the most active hotel room in Japan. He was only three and a half hours late as well. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, gents, you, you told me the Park Hotel. I mean, I mean, I naturally thought you were staying in the Royal Park Hotel. <laughs> yeah, um, no, we're, we're staying in the Plebeians Park Hotel. <laughs> I mean, we need to up the standards here a little bit. Oita was was a very odd place, and yeah. we we understand, Lawrence, that it's it's because the chief executive of Canon mm. lives there. Uh, look, it, 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 I mean, you think what a bizarre place, but actually, like everything in Japan, it's just another experience. Yeah, it was just in its way, it was lovely, and uh, you know, we had two decent games and. I, I, I can we can now say we've all been to Ita and I thought it was fine. And the stadium was amazing. I thought the atmosphere certainly for the for the England Australia game. I was actually doing my first day's work in Japan, which uh, 
which was which was memorable. You're laughing at us when you say stuff like that. <laughs> it was Lawrence has turned out of his first day's well, work. Well, no, I was part Alex. Of... How long have you been here? Uh, six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. That's uh, that's, a, that's a tough gig. But can um, I just say about about Oiter or we're not well, whatever we're going to call it. So towards the end of the Wales France game. There was a there's a big walkout by the fans. Mm. Uh, well, it's a walkout, not, not like a demonstration. Though the stadium was great, the, the the occasion was great. The transport in and out was so bad that there was a, a guy I was sitting next to on the plane had been to the England France game. He said it took them like three hours to get in, and then like three hours to get out again after yeah. the game. So he said, he said, he said towards the end of the Wales game. The Wales France game, which is, as we know, was the knife edge game, the really yeah. exciting one. He said they made a decision five minutes before the end. Let's just get out. Let's get ahead of the traffic. And, and, so, that, and that might <coughs> explain some of the empty seats in that second yeah, quarter final absolutely. as well, because uh, you know I heard similar stories. But uh, talking about the game, Alex, I mean it was uh, you know it was everything we hoped it uh, hoped it to be. Certainly on a knife edge for a while until England pulled away at the end there. But you know coming into the game, we talked about Eddie Jones and his selection. Uh, I mean, he got that spot on. I mean, did you think England were laid down a real marker in that game? Yeah, I, I think they did. And, and I know Owen's written about it today, but I, the most impressive thing for me was the second half. I think about three minutes before, before half-time, they had an 11-point 11 11 lead. About four minutes after half-time, it had been cut to one point. And within three minutes, they'd scored a try, they'd kicked a, a penalty goal, and then they had the goal line stand and, uh, and, and turned the ball over. And, and that was game. that was game up. And... They then pulled away, and, and I, I just thought they, they they controlled the game superbly well. They, they just allowed Australia, who were tactically naive, to just play into their hands all day. They kicked downfield, keep it in because they knew the ball would be to run back at them. And and England's defence, led by Curry Underhill, was just so destructive that they they forced errors. And and uh, I think I saw a stat that of seven entries into the uh, Australia red zone, they scored thirty one points. Yeah. Yeah, that's ruthless. Yeah, Jones, you know, I was just thinking, I mean, I think um, Eddie Jones said something like, without sounding too clever, the game panned out exactly as we expected it to. Mm. In other words, we knew we'd be defending for the first 20 minutes because they'd throw everything at us. And then we knew we'd, you know, we'd have moments to, uh, to counter-attack and, and come back with the, with the good stuff. So I don't think there was any question Owen Farrell was, was that right selection. Eddie Jones seemed to get a little bit upset by the fact that, uh, that he felt Owen Farrell was dropped. He just said his role was changed. But I have to say, when I, when I saw the, um, George Ford's face, he didn't look particularly pleased that his role had been changed. <laughs> no, so, no, no, I mean, no. that's a bit of nonsense from Eddie Jones. It was it? total nonsense. Eddie's saying, come on, you don't, don't report on the game as it was 30 years ago. <laughs> well, 30 years ago, exactly the same as now, when you're not in the starting team, you get bloody pissed off, yeah. as you did. It, yeah. uh, remember, you did it in one of the World Cups. Yeah. That's what it was. I mean, if, if it was all part of something that George was really happy about, and also George Cruz, why did we see coaches walking around with yeah. their arms around them, which we did, yeah. comforted them. But yeah. They were both left out. They, were, they, oh, they dropped maybe maybe a bit harsh, but uh, Eddie was just to toying with this then because George Ford and George Cruz <laughs> were really, really cheesed off. Lawrence, do you completely go with that? Do you, do you think that there's that in this sort of new world of a 23-man 23 23 squad, do you, do you think that, that when we say that they're dropped, they are dropped, or do you think that the modern player 
actually buys into what Eddie says. You know, I'm a, I'm a starter, I'm a finisher. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know is the honest answer. All, all, all I do know is that Owen Farrell was always going to be in the team. I mean, he's England's captain yeah. and he's England's fly half. So George Ford was always going to be, you know, on the bench for this particular game. But I do feel that there are certain instances where you play against teams and players can be good starters or good, you know, mm. in the team. And then there's there's other players that I think offer a better impact on the bench. We'll get on to New Zealand and what England might do later on. But, you know, for instance, this week, I wouldn't be surprised if Eddie Jones changes Courtney Laws and George Cruz around because, you know, New, New Zealand's lineup is, is so much more superior than anyone else's. Mm, yeah. and, uh, and I genuinely feel that George Cruz will be in the starting team. And I think Courtney Laws is a better player off the bench. You know, he's just one of those guys, not that he played badly against Australia, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, so, so I think there's a horses for courses, but uh, I'd rather be one of the guys that's in the starting team than is really good off the bench. Do you think, Lawrence, when England lost to New Zealand in November, they ended up, the All Blacks, I think, had four line-out jumpers on the back end of, the, of that game, destroyed England's line-out. Yeah, it did. It would be an enormous call now to not start Curry and Underhill together. But Curry's not a full-time line-out jumper. He's still learning how to do it. Didn't catch any against Australia. Is there an argument this week to play Courtney at six? To, 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 yeah, I think... I mean, the, the, the answer is yes. And, and I'm sure Eddie Jones will be having these things in his mind. I mean, I think he, he'll probably rest on his team by about Wednesday night. But, mm. um, you know, he'll be resting through... Because you have to pick, you have to learn the lessons of what happened before. But if you also re-watch that game, which I have on the way back, what Underhill and Curry actually did in that game was magnificent and the yeah. fact that we lost four lineouts, and ultimately you could say did that cost us the game well you could argue we may not have still been in the game if it hadn't have been for the two performance of the mm-hmm. two flankers so I don't think you know I mean the way Underhill played against the All Blacks particularly you know he was the standout player on the day so I think he he starts and Curry was man of the match against Australia yeah. so you yeah. know so no, I do I these up. and I mean look if, if the, the lineout is an issue going forward then um, you know then, then he can obviously bring Laws on the pitch Pretty quickly, so. Uh, but I mean, I mean, obviously, point. it was a good point. point. Tom May was a standout. Uh, perfor- good, well done. Um, <laughs> May was a standout performer, wasn't he, uh, on the wing? And uh, you know, I, I was lucky enough to fly back with the England team today. Their first uh, sighting of the general public for for quite some time, I think, mm-hmm. because uh, it, it brought back fond memories. I was talking to Richard Hill about it. You know, it wasn't until the semi-final in Australia that you start to actually mix with every, mix with yeah. fans and start to realise there's a World Cup going on because you've been kept in the in hibernation. But uh, Tom May looks like he could be an injury doubt for the, with his with his John, hamstring. John, John, Johnny May. John. Why am I calling him Tom May? Tom May's another player who played a long time ago, <laughs> who's out here as well. Johnny May even uh, is an injury doubt. But was he so? When you say he's an injury doubt, was he? Hobbling was he patched no, up? No, he or? wasn't hobbling at all. But he, he, he you know, he had some um, some sort of machine attached to his hamstring. Yeah, <laughs> you should <laughs> never play with a machine attached to you. Never, you? never a great What's sign, is it? Out? Really. Um, going back to England, I mean, what, did we see enough from England to suggest that they uh, that, that, that they're good enough to beat the All Blacks? Oh yeah, I think so. I've, I've no doubt about that at all. I mean, All, all Blacks are still clearly favourites, but I mean, it, go, it goes back to Curry and Underhill, doesn't it? It goes back to what we know about how to beat the All Blacks, which is is the speed and power of your defence and shutting them down and stopping them playing and and not giving them a chance to counterattack. I mean that's that that's where you can if you if you can stop them from those electric breaks on the counterattack, then you go a long way to stopping their yeah. game. We must stop calling them the All Blacks. Clive Wilbur's <laughs> told me off already. I've got to call them New Zealand. Apparently, then the New Ze- the All Blacks is a nickname. It's a it's a 
uh, you know, it's, it's their favourite name, but they are New Zealand. Do, Lawrence, does this podcast not recognise the All Blacks? Yeah. Well, I just is, is we it, don't. No, we don't. We, we no, don't. I think we call. What them, are we going to call them? I think we call them New Zealand, like we call every other country by their name. Right. Um, right. Okay. Go, going on to Australia, we've laid down a marker there. Michael Check has resigned. I don't think that is a surprise for any of us. Jonesy, just talk a little bit about the way Australia played because they obviously gave themselves a bit of a tough start at the beginning and they got themselves within one point in that second half. But mm. you do feel that they were just so gung-ho, weren't they? When the way that they, Particularly the way they played in their own 22, which ultimately cost them the game. I mean, you have to respect your opponent and to try little chip kicks over the top in your own 22 and, and to sort of you know, not clear your lines effectively and correctly is kind of under-12 stuff, really. It is, under, and, and also, Lawrence, I mean, I think when the, the great Australian teams had a right to try that to try that because they had the talent, Campisi and, the, and these guys, but actually, you know, it, it might be a rewrite of history, but it was England who had the back three who could come up from deep defence and, and, and make it a positive, whereas Australia didn't have the calibre of players. I mean, I thought Australia were inferior up front, and also they were, inf- they were inferior in the backs as well. I mean, the back three were miles <coughs> off it, and I was completely wrong. I thought Australia were a better side than that, but yeah. they, they they were really, really well beaten. I, th- I thought it was remarkably naive of yeah. Michael Checker. They, they, Checker had lost six games in a row to England, and he'd gone into the game, gone into the tournament saying, we will not kick, we, we're a running team. This is the way that the Australian public wants us to play our rugby. They get they get their their backside handed to them by England, and afterwards he says, "Well, that's the way we play, and, and I'd rather lose that way than, than win playing a different oh, that way." Was rubbish. That was and, rubbish. And, and, and when he almost got the sack at the end of last year, they brought in Scott Johnson as director of rugby, and they created a selection panel, and he was he had his power curbed, and it almost felt like the only thing he had control of was we're going to play the way I want to play. And almost sod sort of the lot of you. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, there was, there was yeah, there was belligerence in his press conference afterwards. Absolutely. But I mean, let's put it in perspective. He, he took over a year before the World Cup and he took Australia to the World Cup final in 2015. And that team was in chaos and, when he took yeah, over. And, he t- and to be fair to him, his best his best year of Australian rugby was probably that first year. Yeah. Uh, you know, he really turned things around. He changed a few rules to get, you know, the likes of Gitto back yeah. uh, and one or two other players back. And they overachieved in that World Cup. But to be honest, the intervening years... Now, you can't lay all the blame at his door. Australian rugby probably has to take a bit of blame because they're not necessarily giving him any support, etc. But they've gone backwards massively, haven't they, in the last four years? I just think that the, the, the sweep of the last decade, Lawrence, of Wallabies rugby <clears throat> shows that the, the, the year that Cheka got into the World Cup final, that was the blip. And, and the years in between World Cups, they're, they're kind of on a low and... and and Cheka made them rise for that World Cup. But that was the exception. I, I just think that we know that rugby in Australia is not in a good place. Mm. We know it bats behind NRL, Aussie rules, soccer, cricket. It's it's not a major sport, and, it, and that's sad, and it's a problem. And, and I think that's sort of, sort of the reality. And what happened four years ago, the World Cup final, that was an extraordinary performance. And this is normality, and, and that's... And, and so it's only right that England should have prevailed. It would have it would have been extraordinary if they'd managed to rise up a second so, time. Oh, and I, I, I kind of don't buy that excuse sometimes. Rugby union isn't is maybe the fourth biggest sport, but it is massive international sport, which yeah. rules in rugby league are not. And I, I think they should stop making excuses for that. But Lawrence, what I would say is. The next coach, the appointment of the next coach is absolutely massive for them. If they get that wrong, they really are going to be in trouble. They've got to get the best guy and they've got to pay the top dollar. Yeah, could be in this room, you know, the new coach. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I, who would you, who would be the next coach? 
Lawrence? Uh, I don't know. It was strangely suggesting that you could. There's quite a few options available to them, isn't there? I mean, you know, there really is. And and look, Michael Hooper, they've got a a magnificent player who I I couldn't believe was only 27 years old. He's phenomenal, isn't he? That's what playing in the back row does for you. I mean, he looks about 47, but uh, (laughs) he will will play in the next World Cup and, and he will be a phenomenal player. Uh, even more phenomenal player than he is, but uh, anyway, listen. Enough about Australia. We, we've uh, you know, yeah, they're outplayed, that. outclassed, yeah. and they're out the tournament. They're out of here. And uh, it's England who have set up a semi final against the All Blacks on Saturday. How do the Kiwis rate Eddie Jones's side? Owen caught up with former New Zealand star and Times columnist Andrew Mertens to find out. Great to have you on. Thanks, mate. Been a bit hit and miss so far, unfortunately. You get one right, you get one wrong. No, no, no. All, all your columns are, are absolutely <laughs> on the money, mate. That's why we keep on asking you back. Well, you don't want predictions from former rugby players at all. You know, how often do those guys win those tipping competitions that everyone plays? I very rarely get in the top sort of half of the draw with those sort of things. So the last thing you want from really? me is a prediction. Why, why, why are you such a rampant gambler then? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, that's the thing, the done thing these days, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so... Um, Andrew, last time that uh, the All Blacks played England in a World Cup semi-final was... Wow, 95, was it? Yeah, and where were you at the time? Um, I was standing with the best view in the house of uh, Zinzan Brook kicking a drop goal and Jonah Lomu scoring uh, scoring tries everywhere. So I reckon I had the, the best day out of anyone at the stadium there in terms of the view that I had. How does it feel when you're when you're the number ten, the guy who's supposed to kick the drop goal, and actually your number eight goes and does it instead? Yeah, and, and especially at the time, we're all calling for. We could see what he was going to do, and we're all calling, no, no, give it Zinny, give it no way, no, oh, good kick, mate. Um, at that stage, I was pinching myself. You know, we'd rattled up twenty five odd points or something so yeah you just know things are kind of going your way when that sort of thing happens you know most number eight everyone talks about Zinni being a, one of the more skillful number eights I reckon most number eights if they have a good go at it they've got those big clod hoppers if they hoof the ball and, and get it right then I reckon most of them could do it you reckon Billy V could um, could kick a drop goal from 35 metres I think he'd, pro- he'd probably prefer not to but I would have thought uh, a certain Lawrence Delaglio would certainly I, I guarantee he would have practised it at training he may not have been allowed to try it in the game but I, I have a feeling he would have been trying it you know pretty regularly at practice really you just come on this to, to compliment Lawrence of you <laughs> yeah He's very popular in, in our manner. Well, I'd rather he would have drop kicked than uh, than maybe run the ball at me. But um, anyway, I, was, I, I could always hope. What are we on? We're on twenty four years later now. Yes. Yeah. Got, thanks for that, right, mate. Right? Thank you. Jesus, that ages you a bit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was only four at the time, of course. So um, <laughs> you, know, you know where that places me now. But yeah, it's it's gone pretty quickly, and it's it's astounding to think that that particular game of the tournament that, that New Zealand and England haven't uh, haven't met again since so certainly shaping up as a good one rugby's obviously evolved a lot in those 24 years um, I'd love to think that the All Blacks might explode I mean we, we saw them against Ireland much like we were able to ride the crest of a Jonah wave in 95 and, and get points up early and get some confidence um, you, the All Blacks were able to do that against Ireland I don't think it'll be the same sort of a game yeah. against England I think okay, be- so if this All Blacks team was playing England 10 times how many, how many times do you reckon England will win? Uh, play them where? Uh, in, in, in the Yokohama Stadium in the semi-final. Well, if, if we put them down the south of New Zealand like we should do every time at Invercargill or Dunedin, I'd say, you know, the odds are, odds are stacked against England there. But, um, you know, neutral ground... I, 
I, I think probably you'd have to think just on the way stats have gone in the past, in the last 10 years, and the strength and depth of this New Zealand side, maybe seven times, you'd seven think. Three. So, yeah, that's, but that means there's a, it's reasonable. It's a reasonable shout, though. You know, I hope that doesn't sound arrogant. It's just, you know, based on what, what these guys have fashioned as a record over the last 10 or 12 years, I think it's been extraordinary the sustained success they've had. And, you know, England's no slouch. So, um, you know, it just means on the day... You don't know, do you? Uh-huh. It could be one of the three, it could be one of the, the seven. Uh, if you were Steve Hansen and you were able to take one England player from the England team and, and, and drop it into the uh, into the All Blacks, who would you have? I don't know. I mean, the standard New Zealand response to that is none of them, you know. Um, I think they'd be oh, out so of depth. So that question coming Probably up, wouldn't you? understand our team meetings and things like that. We'd have to, you know, probably double the number of syllables we normally use. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I like the I like the young flankers, Underhill and Curry. I've come in with you know over the years, New Zealand's prided itself on on producing outstanding open sides, outstanding fetches, uh, just those relentless guys who roam the field looking to tackle moving objects and steal the ball off them, and um, legally of course. So uh, I, I think you know those guys would 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 be good in the New Zealand style of play. Um, but there, there, there's plenty of talent throughout. You know, we Tui Langi, we, we've got no um, shortage of Polynesian power in New Zealand, and it's a, yeah. it's a you know well used force uh, in the Antipodes. So you know, Manu Tuilangi is another player that I, I suspect would add something to any team that he plays in. Mm-hmm. Farrell, I like. I mean, Farrell's. I think he's he's growing better and better throughout his career. I mean, that's maybe maybe a normal thing to happen, but he's. He's got a great balance of being a 10 and a 12. Brings the goal-kicking game, has control of the game, but he's also physical. So, um, you know, there are plenty of plenty of players, you know, maybe more so in the past, that New Zealanders would look at and go, well, they're our style of player. Good, good. And um, and so you're going to be rising for the Times later on in the week? Thursday, Friday? Absolutely. And try, trying to avoid predictions, trying to find a fence to sit on, um, <laughs> trying to not sound like a cocky Kiwi, but at the same time wanting to sound confident in our ability and, and fully behind the All Blacks, which yeah, I will be, but I, I absolutely can't wait for the for the semi-final. But we've already agreed that your column's going to be about what, what, what were you, how you would advise England to, to, to play to beat New Zealand. Yeah, well, I mean, I was probably... You, you don't have to tell everyone now. You start, I, save it up. They keep you on tenterhooks. When, when I was playing for the All Blacks, I was probably the architect of numerous defeats for the All Blacks. So uh, <laughs> if anyone's going to know, then I guess I should. <laughs> Very good. All right, listen, have a good week. We'll catch you soon. Cheers, Alan. Thanks. Thanks. I think Mertz was being a bit harsh on himself there, but it was interesting what he said about England only winning three times out of ten against uh, this all-black side. Is that about right in terms of odds, do we think, going into this game? Three to ten. I mean, the the interesting thing about the scores between England and Eddie Jones' England and and the all-blacks is that they have been getting closer and closer and closer. And, uh, you know, we'd suggest that this one might be the closest one yet or even a reversal. England went a long time without playing them and, and lost by a point in November, despite what happened in the line-out, which we've just discussed, despite the um, the, the, the try that wasn't for, from Sam Underhill because Courtney Laws' big toe was just offside. Had that gone the other way, England would have won that game. They're in the fight, without a doubt, and I think their chances are better than than, than, than a 70-30 percentage. Jo- Jonesy, tell me this. I-, I watched that All Blacks game and I couldn't work out, and I'm sure you, maybe all of you agree, how... how- 
good they were, whether they were just ruthless. I, mean, I think they were certainly in that first half very, very, very good. But the Irish seemed to be very poor as well. So it's, I'm, not, I'm not saying it wasn't a great win because for 40 <laughs> minutes they were excellent. But I, I just didn't know how, how much to make of the All Blacks and how good they were. Uh, look, uh, Lawrence, look, we'll be coming to this in our later podcast this week. But if I was England's game plan, I would take the Irish game plan and I would turn it right around and do exactly what they didn't do because I thought they played the All Black hands. They tried to, the All Blacks were quick. Ireland tried to make it quick. That's not how England should do it. And look, I, I, we've been speaking to some Irish journalists just earlier and they were unbelievably disappointed. Unbelievably. I mean, I mean, they just thought that Ireland had not fired a shot. So yeah. the All Blacks are superb, but I think that England will give the All Blacks a massively, massively bigger challenge than the Ireland ever made. I mean, there, there was a moment in the second half where the Irish decided to be a little bit more direct, to pick the ball up mm. and go through the guts of the New mm. Zealand pack. And, you know, without being a rocket scientist, you know, that's the way you'd certainly want to play some of the game against them because with that England pack, the size and power that it's got with the ball carriers like Itoji, the Vunapolas... You know, whoever plays, Tuilangi, they've yeah. got some. You know, they've got to, they've got to be direct. And you know, I don't care how good a rugby player you were, and I've seen and played in some pretty good teams. If teams get quick ball against you, it becomes very, very hard. New Zealand are going to have patches in the game when they've got quick ball momentum. They're going to be on top. And what happened to Ireland was they just crumbled. They couldn't stop that momentum. They couldn't change the the flow of the game. And what what we talked about, what England did when when Australia threatened to come back, was was something that we hadn't always seen from this England team. But they changed the momentum. They switched it back on the Wallabies. And if England are going to win, they're going to have to cope with those periods when New Zealand are on top and find a way to turn it around on them. Slotty, I mean, we'll talk a little bit more as we get towards the end of the week about Eddie Jones and what he does for Saturday. But, I mean, can you see many changes to that team? Um, I mean, I guess if... Johnny May, not Tom May. Um, he's uh, he's here, but not available for he's selection. He's probably got his boot. <laughs> yeah. uh, if um, if Johnny May is uh, is not available uh, through that hamstring, uh, I mean Jack Noel obviously becomes another option with Thock and a singer maybe on the bench. I mean, can you see any other changes? Not really. No. I mean, just go back to the old sort of Ford Farrell debate thing. The selection worked really well against Australia because they managed to stop the, Aust- the Australian power carriers uh, and. The All Blacks haven't really got a Karevi type carrier, so you, you you could argue that they could go back to Ford Farrell to Elangi, but that's just an argument that is probably a waste of time because I think they'll, they'll stay, I think I don't think Eddie will want to change anything. I really don't. It will be interesting. They can't play May though because, as we know, Jack Nall hasn't played very much rugby. You'd yeah. probably rather have him off the bench. You know, the England's ultimate power fast ball carrier there Fijian if you like is Joe Cochran Singer and is what, is you, what Joe alright so I didn't get it out very Joe well no, you're right you, you're right to come in there Jones okay, no, no, no. I, I completely messed that up I was really trying to help you yeah well you didn't you just exposed me for poor Fijian pronunciation okay. Joe Cochran Singer he, he, he's, he's England's disappointment on yeah. this on this tour I think he, Eddie had him down as, as his possible World Cup winner his, his game breaker and mm. I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to get he's not Alex I don't think he's going to get near a, a team again. Not through choice, only if, yeah. if they lose players. I, I watched them train on the, the day, they, the, the Saturday down in Miyazaki after the, the France game was cancelled. And he's, he spent the entire trip with a big black bandage around his knee. Mm. He didn't yeah. look comfortable. There have been moments when he, when he gets going and when he gets his pace up, he, you know, he's big and powerful and, and quick and hard to stop. But he just didn't look himself, and even yeah. in that training session. Well, I think, and, that, and that's the issue with Eddie Jones, isn't it? He, he puts so much stall out on what happens in training. Yeah. There's a lot of guys who, for one reason or another, Mark Wilson's another one, 
uh, Thocken, a singer, Joe Launchbury. There's a lot of guys who aren't going to get much game time out mm, here because mm, he ain't changing that side much, mm, you know. From and, and and neither should he really. So, but you know, listen, they're all they're all in it together. Let, let's just talk a, a little bit about Ireland. Obviously, with a team that had that much experience, they should have given the All Blacks a better game. I thought they might have had one big game in them. Are we in danger of remembering? Joe Schmidt's Ireland for what they didn't do at this World Cup <laughs> rather than for what they have done for Irish rugby because let's just repeat you know they have won Grand Slam they have got Ireland to the number one side in the world they have beaten the All Blacks for the first time in their history and you add all that together and there's a massive amount of credit well it is a golden period isn't yeah. it but they have massively underperformed in this World Cup and I, I kind of feel a bit sorry for Joe Schmidt really because he's a great coach he clearly built everything up to go out on a high and he peaked about a year too early and it's just ended up being an awful World Cup for them. You can't even describe it any other way. It was always the, the All Blacks who were known as the team that peaked in, in between World Cup years and then yeah. flopped in World Cup years. And that's what Ireland are now. Yeah. Joe Schmidt's two World Cups have been abysmal. Yeah. I also maybe think the other day about if the 03 World Cup had been in 2004... Mm. Where yeah, would you yeah, well, Oh, Lawrence, would you have absolutely, won? Absolutely. No, well, no well, we wouldn't. No, you're probably right. We wouldn't. Um, Johnny would have been crops. Johnny would have but then we wouldn't, have given us, we wouldn't have given ourselves the schedule that we did. We wouldn't have gone to sure. Australia and New Zealand three months before the, the tournament. Ireland were yeah. number one in the world. Yeah. A year ago, they'd beaten the All Blacks. That's yeah. when they were at their... The thing is, I, I don't think you can you can you can't say, say right. This team is developing too fast. You can't just stop development. So you you're ready in a year's time. It's just one of those yeah. things. No, what the point is, they haven't maintained have yeah. they? Yeah. They, 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 they haven't. And, and also, I think I think that their some of their exploits of their Leinster players in particular, you know, hmm. multiple European trophies. I think it started to take its toll on them. Really, um, you know, their back row has been decimated. And as much as I'd say mm. that back rows do mm. help you win rugby matches, they really do. They're really um, poor. You know, and and Lee me you know getting him getting injured before the tournament uh, standard uh, is uh, I mean if Jonesy gave him a 5 out of 10 you know last year he'd probably give him a 2 out of 10 this year because no, he's, he's, he's just rugby's gone backwards yeah. you know and I know and and then you know Jack Conan goes home injured Jordy Murphy comes out injures himself in the first game you know you can't play without a back row well um, Sean O'Brien Sean O'Brien is, is a year and a half yeah. past his best so, you know, Peter Romani is two years past his best probably you know, I mean that whatever people say about it that core of players and that particular unit in any rugby side is, is the heartbeat of the side because they're the people that, that you know fetch and carry and do most do most of the stuff that can actually you know control the game Andy, so, Andy Farrell's got a big job now yeah, so you just wonder whether the Farrell thing is hospital yeah. price you know. Well, let's talk about that for a second because obviously we saw the end of an era with Rory Best, um, you know, and there was some lovely stuff there in terms of his own rugby. If that World Cup had come a year ago or two years ago, that would have been a good way to go out. I, I mm. really think he was struggling towards the end of it. And uh, but either way, you know, he's, he's been a huge servant. Sexton is now thirty-four years of age. Will we see him in a, in, a, in the Six Nations he's got next to be year? Done, isn't he? Well, I mean, he's, there's been no announcement, and I mean, and quite rightly so, he's entitled to his own opinion in terms of what he does. But uh, I just wonder what. what you know, as you say, Andy Farrell's got a big rebuild there. Maybe, just maybe, it's not a bad job for him because if he was taking them on, the, on the, uh, taking them over at the top, you know, that's always a harder thing to, to follow, isn't it? He's now taking them over, and the expectation level is going to be much, much lower. Do, do you know? I think the whole Andy Farrell uh, appointment is really, really interesting because he's, he's widely recognised with England, Lions, and Ireland as a as a great defence coach, a really good assistant coach, if yeah. you like. But he's never been in charge of selection. No, no, he's no. never been in charge of deciding your team approach, your team tactics. 
you've never been in charge of how the, a team projects itself and uh, the, the the mood of the team, if you like. I mean, he's he's entering a completely new dimension. They've set a lot of store against a small part of the toolkit that's required for his new job. So are you doubting him? Is that where you're being? Oh, patient? stop it, yeah. Lawrence! No, you are. You're, you're just you're, going. You love this, don't no, you? No, no, you are doubting. I mean, you, I mean, I can't. I mean, <laughs> I don't have the same mastery of the English language as you, Owen. But what you basically oh, said is he's not, right. not useless. It was he's almost useless. better when you were back at the <laughs> studio in London. I mean, I have to say. Yeah, like, and, and what's you, his wife's you've name? Al- you've already got Colleen <laughs> on your back about Owen. <laughs> oh, no, honestly, I, I really can't come to you. I think that's unbelievably harsh. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I mean, the players love him. You know, yeah. the, press, the press love him. He's great uh, rugby league player. Uh, it's unbelievable. He was good at cricket, apparently. Good yeah. golfer. Um, so, uh, well, listen, I, I, think he's, I think he's taking over just at the right time, if I'm honest. He's brought back Mike Cap, which is an interesting move, as his, uh, as his backs coach. Um, but as you say, there's uh, there's a bit of a rebuild there. Uh, I'll be looking forward to those columns in the Times when uh, when Ireland play their first international. Exactly, yeah. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings, so you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar. Double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from ten to eleven. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If we move on to the Wales game, I mean, wow. Wales-France, 20 points to 19. Can I just repeat that? 20 points to 19. That was the one that gave us the real cliffhanger. Jonesy, Wales, incredibly lucky. Warren Gatlin even said himself mm. uh, the best team lost. I don't know you can ever call France the best team, but they're certainly the, the team that lost. I mean, they won't care about that. They'll just be absolutely delighted that they got through. Wouldn't, they? wouldn't give them monkeys. But I have to say this. I thought some of the stuff France played was the best we've seen for about a decade. I, I just thought they were so promising. Some of the stuff they did was good. They looked like a modern-day team. They looked like, you know, they played modern-day rugby, not the stodge they've been giving us. But the only problem is that they went back in the dark ages with... Vahamina's yeah. arm, and I thought they were, they were absolutely terrific. But I mean, Alex, their, their direct approach, I mean, someone must have actually said, you know what, we could just tell these guys what to do, and they can do it. They were so direct. They mm. was, they, I mean, it was a bit, little bit one-out rugby, but when you've got the powerful big runners that they've got, you know, they, they played well off nine, they looked really up for the fight because no one gave them a chance, and, uh, and really, they probably should have won that game by 10 or 15 points, shouldn't they? Yeah, they, they should have done. And I, I actually, pre-tournament, we all had to submit our semi-final predictions and I I thought France would would sneak into the into the last four yeah and at half-time, I was feeling yeah, quite, 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 smug. quite smug. Yeah, <laughs> no, but Alex, when you say you thought that, did you actually write that down? I wrote your, it. In you our, did write in your predictions. In our pre-tournament oh, right, um, okay. scrum. Well, listen, and, and in fairness to Mr Woodward... <laughs> wait, wait, I was wrong. So in, that's, in fairness that's to, to Clive Woodward, he, and he, you know, listen, he, he said, I, I think there will be one quarter-final upset, and he said, I think it'll come from France. Yeah. And then when we heard the news that Jonathan Davis had been ruled out Absolutely. just before kick-off, yeah. you suddenly thought, oh, 
that's a really bad blow. And then the first try came straight down straight his channel. Right, yeah. And then you thought to yourself, wow, you know, this is this is on, definitely on. Will's missed him on both sides of the ball because mm. he's their defence captain. He's obviously magnificent. Yeah. Offensively, France, it started in the way that, that you love to watch France play, you know, and, and, and Bakatar was just hit his his power, but his his delicate handling is just is just brilliant to watch. And we were on the flight just before you from Oita, and a couple of us were chatting to Dimitri Yashvili in the uh, in the departure lounge, and he's he's actually he was he was frustrated with the with the the, the try, and he thought he was convinced it was knocked not forward in the rip. That's a that's a different debate. But he looking ahead, he he was saying that Fabian Galtier, he's, he's a he's a big fan of and believes that he's made a difference in. In this team, Sean Edwards, he said, will be the most important man in French rugby because he, they have the players. What he said is that they don't have the discipline or or, yeah. or, the, or the ethic. And, is, and Edward, yeah. is, is Edwards definitely going to France? Well, <laughs> it's, not, it's not been announced, but it, we, you, no, you know. I only say that because because there, there, there were sort of leaky sort of um, uh, internet type reports saying, oh, actually, he hasn't signed after all. Yeah. Well, well, he, was well, de- I, he was definitely going to Wigan, and then he was definitely going to Wasps. Well, well, you know, he was staying in Wales as well. Then he was definitely staying in Wales. So uh, he never he didn't he never signed a contract with any of those. Someone just said to me that he has he has signed a contract with France. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Going back to France, what yeah. I would say is, if I was, I mean, you know, I was with. Uh, Entomac, Emil Entomac in the stands watching his his son play and you know obviously you know he missed yeah. five pretty simple points mm. a goal but uh, he just shook his shoulders afterwards and said look you know that's rugby and I was uh, saying to him well no that's not rugby there was clearly a side that hadn't been coached very well because uh, when you have a scrum under your own post and you've had a man sent to the sim bin you put someone on at number, number eight, eight. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't let the ball pop out the back of the scrum that is yeah, under yeah. 12 stuff as well yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. It, it makes you kind of realise that actually international rugby is not that complicated the further you go up the tree it's about just doing the simple things really really well and even with the Varmahina moment of madness they were well on course to win that game Mm. you know they got themselves up the right end of the field the Vaki Tower as you say the run he we just went straight over the top of bigger Mm. and then they got another scrum and you thought well this is it they've got Cami Lopez on Mm. surely they're just going to put someone at number eight and just drop a goal and win the game. Mm. And they couldn't even manage that. So they don't deserve to be here because they're not good enough. As, as cruel as it was in the end, you know, it was no surprise that it was Wales's back row, uh, et al, that actually, mm. you know, dug them out of a hole. But um, just talking about Wales, Owen, have they, um, I mean, they're clearly showing one game that they're not as good as perhaps people think they are, that they can be rattled fairly easily. I mean, looking at how they had to use 100% of what they had to beat France... And and South Africa only had to use about seventy percent of what they had to beat Japan. I mean, can you can you make a case that Warren Gatlin can turn things around in a week? Yeah, definitely. I, I get what you're saying about that. They they probably have uh, more to recover from from their weekend. But so so Wales had a, a really average game against France, but you can't take away what they did against Australia and Fiji. You know that they, they've had two pretty big games and they've come out ahead. I think they've shown plenty. I mean, I, th- I think it goes back to what we're saying just now. It's always interesting if you take one piece out of a team, to what extent does it collapse? You know, that the old Jenga model, you know, yeah. took out Jonathan mm. Davis. And I thought, you know, that, as, as Alex said, that really big, big made. Piece. So, you know, what happens if he's not fit? He's obviously a doubt. They hope he's going to be fit. Um, so I, I, I've no doubt they've got a, a, another great performance inside them. They're, they're not an average team. They just had a, they just had an off day, but they, they need that Jonathan Davis back. For sure. But they've also got an unbelievable spirit. France towards the end, well not towards the end, in the last quarter, yeah. Wales were the, se- the, the second the Welsh 
uh, reserve front row were dominant. Yeah. They pushed them all over the field. The driving more got going going really well, yeah. and I thought they picked <coughs> themselves up. I always felt in the second half they just needed one field position and they'd score because they were looking more and more dangerous. Funny, and they did it. it. And well, they did it. Gatlin was saying he was preparing his, uh, his leaving speech. Yeah. He said, I don't know what to... You know, there's so many emotions that go through yeah. your brain at that moment in time. But, the, uh, the, ben Kay made a point in, in his column in today's paper. Did you ghostwrite that? Yeah, I did, yeah. I wonder why it was an award-winning column. Say, no credit for very literate Ben Kay these days, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's a great writer. He wasn't last night, let me tell I you. <laughs> I no, no credit for the, for the point. His point was, in a tournament situation, knockout rugby... You, you just have to get through. Yeah. And in yeah. some ways, yeah. having found a way through it, um, knowing that they weren't at their best yeah. and knowing that they can play better, will, actually, will almost give them the confidence to... Well, Ben Kay would be speaking from experience because that's exactly what happened against us in the quarterfinal against Wales. You know, yeah. We were shockingly bad in that first half. In the end, we won comfortably. But... Uh, I wouldn't like to have left it till the seventy-third minute. That's for no, sure. But no. uh, you still left it quite a long yeah, time. Yeah, we, we did leave you? it quite a long time. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, but it's definitely worth it. Yeah, really. the old drama queens that team, weren't they? Well, really you know, terrible. just, just yeah. let the Welsh think they've got a hope, and then just just whip it away. From <laughs> them. It's much more fun that way. So anyway. You were just toying with it, <laughs> uh, and if you believe that, you believe anything. But finishing last, but certainly by no means least, the host Japan, who have just, in my mind, have won the World Cup already. They stayed true to their style against South Africa, but. We all felt it was going to be a game too far, and that's exactly how it proved, Jonesy. I mean, it was yeah. a magnificent occasion. Yeah. Uh, they, they they had their moments in the match, but it just you just felt it was like an older brother holding you at arm's length and just sort of slapping you around really yeah. a little bit yeah. when when you got a little bit too uh, cocky. Some of it was fairly brutal, mate. Yeah. It was fairly brutal uh, as we expected. But do you know what? I still don't think they took a backward step, no. and they still tried to impose themselves. There was they had three or four great chances. And, you know, it, 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 it's very difficult now not, not to sound patronising because they were absolutely magnificent in the World Cup, but I really mean it. Mm. And, and now, you know, let's, let's be fair, in the next two weeks, we want to see an announcement that they're going up to Tier 1 and they're going to have a proper fixed list and, and they deserve it. And also I hear they're going, to have a, they're going to boost their own league. They've been absolutely tremendous and they've restored your faith in rugby as a handling yeah. game. I, I completely agree with what Jonesy says about the need for the... The global game to act quickly. When, when Argentina th- thrilled us all in 2007, it took what four years, five years for them to yeah. to be welcomed into the Tri Nations. Mm. There was a, a news story coming out of New Zealand today, which suggests that the Sunwolves being readmitted to Super Rugby mm. and Japan being admitted to the Rugby Championship mm. is going to be discussed on Friday at a Sanzar board meeting. Mm. Now, if that turns out to a be true and b kickstart something, then yeah, then bringing the tournament here and everything that they've they've thrilled us with over the last six weeks will will benefit the, the global game going forward, which is, which is everything we all want. I mean, I think even more broader than that, they they've actually made every other person who plays rugby think about how they play the game. I yeah, mean, you know absolutely. what they've actually yeah. done at this World Cup has been earth shatteringly, ground changingly brilliant because yeah. suddenly even New Zealand will be looking at them going, why aren't, you know, why aren't we doing some of the stuff that they're doing? Mm. You know, and, mm. and, and I say that you know, honestly. I mean, every single team needs to take a look at itself and go, actually, there is different ways to play the game. They've just absolutely lit up this tournament. And, Do you uh, think that kids, in, even in, G, in the UK, Lawrence, will be yeah. you know, under 14s, under 10s, 12s, 13s, We'll be coming out and saying, "Hey, come on!" We, well, listen, we let, let me, I, I've been I've been desperately trying to find a Japanese shirt to buy for my son because mm. I think that's the last.
lasting memory for me mm. and for him, mm. unless England go on and win this World Cup, is mm. about taking a Japanese shirt home for my son to wear because, sure. you, you know, one, it's a fantastic shirt, and two, mm. it's a great shirt. It, yeah. it brings out all sorts of emotions of what this tournament is and sort of brought well to. And he's probably yeah. not, doesn't want to wear the Italy shirt. Well, no, really, no, no, well he? he can fit into a large, and even though he's, only, he's probably <laughs> an extra large, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the reality. But who knows, in four years' time, an extra large in Japan may well be an extra large. That's right. That's <laughs> when you know rugby really has landed. It's also, it's the way that casual sports fans want to watch their rugby being Absolutely. played. Absolutely. If the sports want to attract new players, bring old players back to the game, which is one of the RFU's big things, and just and, and attract viewers, Japan play the game in a thrilling way that, that everyone loves to watch. And, and talk of processes and pods and exits and, and, and the, the more structured game may well work but it doesn't actually attract people to watch it well I just thought there's lovely little things like the, the replacements going when they, when, a, when a guy walks off the field he, he turns around and he bows to the crowd mm. and, you know well, none, of this, lovely, none of this petulance about being yeah. substituted yeah. by yeah. your you know walking past your coach and just you know throwing your, your towel over your head or something <laughs> you know? I mean it's just there's, there's honour in, in yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. there's honour and no dishonour in the game and I think it's it's really brought something very special to the game of rugby isn't, um, isn't the thing above all Lawrence and we know that that all this is dictated but the bottom line is it's dictated by money yeah. and there are 60, 60 million Japanese people watching rugby yeah. during this World Cup probably more on uh, in that quarter final so how many people watch a big Six Nations game? You get to around 10? 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 million, yeah. Yeah, so, so we get 10 on a really massive day, and they've got 60? 60 million. I mean, you know. Yeah, you, I, I, you, you could, but, but, I mean, what are the, the businessmen out there? I mean, yeah. that's what you want, isn't it? I mean, yeah, surely, surely, surely that is the argument. Yeah, but also, but also it, rugby has always been about celebrating difference, and what Japan mm. have brought is difference. Mm. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I think that's, for me... Is probably, I mean, yes, there's a commercial discussion and a commercial argument, but what they've brought is something that is totally unique and totally different. And uh, for lots of reasons, that is, you know, they, they should be included. But for that reason, they should definitely be included. I agree. That's why Oita's Oita, because it's different. Yeah. We've never been there before. Yeah. So it's lovely. We'll yeah. never go there again. AOB of the weekend. I mean, we, you know, things that can't go unnoticed. Social media sensation that is now the referee, um, Yako Piper from South Africa, of course, who refereed uh, the Wales-France game and um, correctly sent off Varmahina, the French second row, was um, was probably jumped on by Welsh supporters for a selfie and, uh, you know, rather probably reluctantly but fairly stupidly probably you know got himself involved in a, in what he thought was an innocent photo but it's turned into a bit of a problem for him. World Rugby are now investigating. I mean, the thing is, it just doesn't look good, Jonesy, does it? Even though... You know, in the spirit of what he was doing, he's an adult. He's just trying to have a bit of fun. It's probably a little bit insensitive that to, you know to a French supporter less than twenty four hours before digested that they've so, been so, exited from the so World Cup. Are you saying that Jacob Piper is a bigger culprit now than Sebastian Vahamina? Because he, he isn't. No, I'm not Every, suggesting everyone that. Everyone no. out there should get a life. I've walked a <coughs> hundred meters with, with you, Lawrence, and you've taken about fifty seven selfies with various yeah. people. Mm. You stand there uh, with a grin on your face. I don't know what you're feeling inside, yeah. but we're in the selfie era. Some people obviously ambushed the poor bloke. Someone said, oh, what about that then? So he starts going like that as well. When you say that, He's that doesn't translate on the podcast, James. Oh, you can I'm describe your action. This is noise, not pictures. into the nose of Aaron Wainwright. That's what I was doing then. I mean, had, had it been slightly more of a controversial sending off, then I think, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, was, it was a red card. and, and yeah. therefore. Also, and the guy, Wainwright, wasn't it? If, if Wainwright had been injured or something, then, then it wouldn't have been so yeah. funny. I mean, I, I, th- I thought it, a bit of a stupid thing to do, but 
I, I think we're being a bit po-faced judging Of course him. we are. Yeah, of course we are. Pompous. Alex, go on, tell him he's got, he's got to go. He's got to go. No, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, but what he won't do is he won't referee anymore well, in this tournament, thing, which no. is a bit sad, really, because he's a top-class referee yeah. and, um, you know, he probably wanted to do a semi-final or a final, but, you know, mm. the reality is by doing that, he's not giving himself a home. Well, maybe his punishment could be doing the third, fourth playoff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which could see a bit of red cards if it ends up being England-Wales, yeah. to be fair. Our favourite story about the, uh, the Yako Piper situation was back at the airport today and uh, the, the the picture's being passed around and, and there's a group of about what, 10 or 15 rugby media all standing by the gate one of our one of us has got a particularly loud voice it's got a voice that really carries you can, yeah. you can work out <laughs> Talk, who that is talking uh, sl- am I going to say basically sl- slagging off Yako Pipe, I can't believe he's done this. What a Who ridiculous thing to do. He was talking and, about his column in the, in the mail, wasn't he? Uh, <laughs> and um, everyone's like... Freudian slip. Freudian. 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 Not two yards behind him at the gate of, uh, of Oit Airport was Yako Piper himself. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> which, which point this... Uh, Poor unfortunate journalist went bright red and scarpered. Uh, well. <laughs> yeah, you give you give Jack a bit. Of a, yeah, yeah. You know, just, he gave him a verbal elbow to the face and yeah, then ran off. Yeah, right, okay. Right, we better. It's quiz time. Uh, okay. This is a little uh, bit of a new addition to okay. the podcast. So I'm not so, especially happy about this. Okay, so, so 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 <clears throat> Jonesy and I have compiled this quiz. So, so we've been in um, Japan for seven and a half years now. During that time, we, we've realised that though Jonesy knows a lot about rugby, and I know enough. Actually, Alex Lowe knows everything. He knows everything. He knows everything about everything. Arthur Lowe. <clears throat> well, uh, Ar- Arthur Lowe. So, so we, we've, um, just, just to show our listeners how knowledgeable he is, we've designed a little quiz for him. I'm hoping that Mike in the, in the studio is going to put one of those um, time, time clocks like they have on, on those... Which is, <laughs> what, that? is that? Do you mean Mike, mastermind. Mike Bovril? A mastermind, like a mastermind. Mike Bovril, Mike- our producer. <laughs> Yeah, Mike's going to put a mastermind clock on him, okay. and we've got ten questions here. So the clock is now ticking. So question number one, Alex, what was the Japan-Russia score? Um, 30-10 to Japan for the hat-trick for... No, no, all right, okay. All right, okay, okay all right. Gee, I mean, it's, it's, it's I actually just, can't pronounce it. It's just rubbing our noses. Anyway, thir- I think it was 30-10, am I right? Yes, you're always right. Uh, <laughs> in this World Cup so far, how many red cards have there been? Vahamina was the eighth. And I know that because Lavanini was the fifth and I had to write about it. Oh, right, okay, okay. Very, very good. Very good. Uh, in the England-Australia game, how many scrum resets were there? Right, this isn't... <laughs> that, is a, that is a massively nauseous question. Oh, yeah. But I actually do know the answer. Yeah. You're joking. Brilliant. I, I'm not joking. Well, I think it was seven. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think it was seven, but I, only because I had, to go, I had to go through it for a, the Carl Sinclair piece that I wrote. So I, I think it was seven. Okay. Here we are in, in, in uh, Tokyo for the semi-final stage of the World Cup. England are staying at the Tokyo version of Disneyland in some far-off reach of the city. Which train line do we need to go on from our hotel <laughs> oh to Disneyland God. to get to their press conference tomorrow? Oh, well, I, bloody hell, the only train journey I've done is up to the Tokyo Stadium. It'd be some sort of something called a city, something something city. Well, the only that train line was the the K, KO train train line, so that's the only one I know. So I'm going to say that. And the Irish journalists were telling me that when you get to the, the station, you then have to jump on, on a Disneyland monorail for three stops to get to the hotel. That's <laughs> half, half, a po- half a point for not knowing the station. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm the sorry station. to swear on the podcast, but he actually nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was three stops, was and a, I've researched the answer. I was only downstairs talking to Rudder. Okay, right. <laughs> In Beppu, which is where we were staying last week, 
Which journalist had Staff Hotel running after him because he didn't realise that the banana he had left with <laughs> was plastic? He, he walked off with a plastic banana oh. and he was about to eat it. <laughs> and the hotel staff had to run after him to stop it. Was it the same journalist who on the Lions tour kept leaving a shoe in each hotel yeah. and, then, and each hotel he moved to they posted it to him but it arrived a day later and his shoe followed him all the way yeah, around New Zealand you've what got shoe? You've was got it what? It. I think it's the banana I just I, <laughs> so, so sorry can, you, can, we, can we name that journalist please that journalist who tried to eat the plastic banana was Stephen Jones what? I, I picked up there was a big bowl of fruit I thought this banana is dazzlingly yellow but I picked it up, and as I was walking out, the, 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 the waitress came after me and said, No, no, no. And I had, it was a bloody plastic banana. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Okay, so you're six from six. Well, right. I've lost count, I've only done. Multiple choice question Who has been the biggest bell end at the World Cup so far? Michael Checker, Sebastian Vahahahahamina, or Jacko Piper? Or Gregor Paul? Not Johnny Fordham. <laughs> Johnny Fordham. Read him out again, Sophie. <laughs> Jacko Piper, Michael Checker, Sebastian Vahahahamina. You can pick anyone. I mean, anyone. I'm going to pick Michael Checker. Okay. Right. This is a this is a can you see into the future question. This shows how clever you are. Now that Checker's resigned from the uh, Australia job, who will be the next Wallabies coach? Oh, I, I could have said. If it's not Lawrence Delalio. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Well, excluding everyone in this room that we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're, we're all out there because we're committed to this podcast. Dave, Dave Rennie's the favourite. Mm-hmm. So I'll say Dave Rennie with Scott Wisemantle leaving England to join the Wallabies as their attack coach. That's great. my prediction. He's a great player. Yeah, listen, he's a very. I mean, he's, he's, he's been spot on about every other coach, <coughs> so he's probably going to be get that one right as well. The new Emperor of Japan is to have his coronation in Tokyo tomorrow. Can you name the new Emperor? <laughs> no. We've got him, we've got him. No, well, listen, got no, him. no I can't. I just... It could be Eddie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> it could be Eddie Jones quite soon. Okay, can I. No, I, I can't. I... Okay, I'm going to say Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones. Listen, you, Eddie Jones. You, were for an, you were heading for an A star there. Yeah, I can't. But you walked away with an A, which we, is. Uh, we, we and our podcast listeners are disappointed. Well, what's um, the answer? Uh, em- wait, Naharito is his name. Naharito. Naharito. I think he's sorry, sorry Naruhito. Naruhito. He's supposed to be coming to the final, I think. Well, I hope so too. Okay. Regarding the new emperor, which legendary rugby figure and podcast host <laughs> was the surprise name on the shortlist for the job? Um, so not Andy Goode. <laughs> Andy Goode. Not, Andy Goode. Not, not Jim Hamilton. Not Jim Hamilton. <laughs> not James Haskell. <laughs> uh, was it? Was it Lawrence? Um, unbelievably so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So, so you're eight from nine. Final question is: We've all been away from home uh, for a long time. Well, Lawrence hasn't. Yes. She's right. But, but but the rest of us has. The rest of us have. Um, what's been going on in the Brexit debate since we've been away? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Boris has made a tit of himself, hasn't he? Oh, okay. But, which, which is a pretty broad but, answer because that could happen at any point. Very good. Catch all, all right, well done, Alex. Well, listen, wonderful. Great show. Wonderful. Great I hope you've enjoyed that uh, episode of the podcast. Thank My you. thanks to Owen Slot, Stephen Jones, Andrew Mertens, and the egghead himself, Alex Lowe. <laughs> so then there were four. The Ruck returns on Thursday with a full preview of the semi-finals. Never miss an episode. Subscribe now via Acast, iTunes, or your preferred podcast provider. Hold up. 
iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.